Hi, my name is Dr. Mark Allen Derry, and I'm an infectious diseases specialist in New Orleans. Hi, my name is Doc Griggs, and I'm a community medicine doctor and health literacy expert. This is the Noise Filter Podcast, where an infectious diseases physician, that's me, and a health literacy and communications expert, that's me, talk about what you need to know about COVID-19. You can find more information about this show and our other daily live updates and Q&A show at noisefiltershow.com. So let's get started. My name is Hope Hickerson, one of the writers for the Noise Filter Podcast. Having a baby is a wonderfully exciting time in a parent's life, until it's time to start thinking about childcare. For parents across the U.S., the process of finding and signing up for childcare has become more overwhelming than ever before, and coronavirus has only made it worse. According to USA Today, quality early learning options are in short supply across the country. Many families like the time, know-how, and connections needed to land a seat at the programs that do exist. Then there's the time-consuming task of calling or visiting each of these providers to see if there's vacancies, filling out applications, and sometimes going through interviews. Then the months or even years-long wait list. As a parent myself, I unfortunately am all too aware of this process. When my first child was born, I started looking for daycares, thinking I was ahead of the game. Little did I know, I should have been looking for daycare centers the minute I saw the plus sign on my pregnancy test. My son was almost one before I was able to get a spot for him. And now the pandemic has compounded the challenges. Now, not only do parents have to be extra selective to ensure their child is safe, but they also have fewer providers to choose from. Childcare centers and preschools have shut down in droves, many of them permanently. In a survey conducted when COVID-19 first hit, two in five providers said they were confident they'd have to close down for good without additional funding. According to a more recent survey, four in five childcare centers are understaffed with staff to student ratios that prevent them from serving as many children as they did before. Also, wait lists in many areas have become even more widespread. Joanna Laura, a mom in Hawaii, experienced these frustrations firsthand when she attempted to find childcare once the pandemic hit. The informal home daycare her child was in pre-pandemic closed temporarily. And once it reopened, she didn't feel comfortable sending her son to a place that wasn't regulated. There was no way of ensuring the provider was sanitizing properly, and she was worried about what would happen if her toddler got sick or brought the coronavirus home. She lives with someone who has health problems, and she just couldn't take that risk. So the exhausting and daunting process of finding safe childcare started all over for her and for many other families. I have the same fears every day I send my children to daycare. Will they be safe? Is everyone keeping their mask on? Are they cleaning properly? I mean, my fears are somewhat alleviated because my children are lucky enough to be in a highly regulated center that follows CDC guidelines to prevent the spread of disease but I'm aware enough to know that this isn't the case for many families. Cara Schuyler, the Deputy Director of Early and Elementary Education at New America in Washington, D.C. said, we started with a lack of capacity and now there are even fewer providers and educators able to meet the demand. As people attempt to return to work safely amidst the Delta variant surge, they have to think about what's safe for their children first. 
They simply will not be able to go back to work until they have a safe, reliable, and affordable child care set up. But what does this mean for families that don't have workers in the household with the ability to work remotely from home? The workforce suffers, as does individual families and children. Oxford scientists begin plague vaccine trial. Researchers from the University of Oxford's vaccine group, some of whom were part of the team that created the Oxford AstraZeneca COVID vaccine, have launched phase one of their trial to test a new vaccine designed to protect against the plague. Although for many it has been eliminated, and most people associate the plague with the outbreak of the Black Death in Europe in the 14th century, Cases still occur in rural parts of America, Asia, and Africa. In 2017, an outbreak in Madagascar killed 171 people. 40 healthy adults aged between 18 and 55 will receive this new vaccine designed by the Oxford Group to assess its side effects and determine how well it induces protective antibody and T-cell responses. Although antibiotics can be used to treat plague, a vaccine would be much more useful as many plague outbreak locations are extremely remote, and this could become a key part of disease prevention strategy. Using a similar base to the Oxford-AstraZeneca COVID vaccine, this plague vaccine uses a weakened version of a common cold virus known as adenovirus from chimpanzees, which has been genetically altered so that it cannot cause an infection in people. The vaccine cannot cause plague as it does not contain the plague bacterium, but it does include genes that can make proteins from the plague bacterium, teaching the body how to fight off the real infection if it ever comes into contact with the disease. The director of the Oxford Vaccine Group, Professor Sir Andrew Pollard, stated, The coronavirus pandemic has shown the importance of vaccines to defend populations from the threat caused by bacteria and viruses. Plague threatened the world in several horrific ways over the past millennia, and even today, outbreaks continue to disrupt communities. A new vaccine to prevent plague is important for them and for our health security. The Oxford Vaccine Group are already doing clinical trials using similar technology against meningitis and Zika and hope that they can develop vaccines against new and emerging diseases such as loss of fever or the Marburg virus. Developing vaccines to protect people from these deadly illnesses will be a key consideration going forth from the pandemic. COVID-19 and young children. In the beginning of the pandemic, the general thought was that children were less likely to spread the coronavirus than adults. As the pandemic has lingered on, researchers have had a chance to gather data, and this has proven to not be true. In fact, research shows that the younger the child is, they are more likely to spread the virus. In a study published in the Journal of the American Medical Association and reported by ABC News, young children may be more likely to transmit the coronavirus compared with older children. Specifically, children three or younger were more likely to spread the virus to household members compared to those aged between 14 and 17. The study analyzed 2020 public health data from Ontario, Canada, to identify COVID clusters in which a country was the primary case within households. 
Data was collected prior to the emergence of the Delta variant, so more research is needed to understand transmission risk in the context of this variant. The study also took place prior to vaccines being available, meaning all household members were unvaccinated. One of the largest takeaways from the study is that it updates our understanding of COVID transmission risk. In the beginning of the pandemic, experts say it was likely assumed children didn't transmit the virus as much as adults because lockdowns and social distancing meant young children had few social encounters. But Dr. Edith Sanchez, a primary care pediatrician and assistant professor of pediatrics at Columbia University Irving Medical Center, said, we always knew children could get it, could transmit it, and could get sick from COVID. And I think we're learning more and more just how much. The good news is, is that the risk of death and severe illness is still much lower in young children compared with older children and adults. And yes, indeed, that is good news. Just as a reminder that COVID-19 and the human immunodeficiency virus do share the same risk factors. Doc Griggs. Thanks for listening to the Noise Filter Daily Podcast. Dr. Derry and I have a daily show at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time where we go into more detail on stories and answer your questions about COVID-19. You can find Doc Griggs at DocGriggs1 on social media, and you can find me at Dr. Mark Allen Derry or at D-R-D-E-R-Y. You can follow us at Noise Filter on Instagram, Noise Filter NOLA on Twitter, and for more information about us and the show, you can go to noisefiltershow.com. Hey, Doc Griggs, any last words? Remember, get checked, get fit, get moving. And remember to get some rest to boost your immune system. And Doc, protect yourself and others by staying home, and please wear masks when you go outside. Remember, health is a human right.